Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast, produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, and I'm exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team. Today, I'm going to interview a speech language pathologist. She's uh, certified by the ASHA, which is a speech language pathology organization. She graduated from the University of Central Florida with an MA in 2005, and she's practiced as a medical-based speech language pathologist, primarily with adults in skilled nursing, inpatient and outpatient and home health settings. She's been an active clinician for many years in both developing and presenting multidisciplinary training and CE courses in areas such as dementia and treatment approaches for medically involved cases. So again, welcome our new guest, Betsy Page. Thank you, Betsy Page, for joining the program today. It's such an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Very well qualified with this topic, obviously. Um, oh, I know what I forgot to ask you. Do you have a breather with you? I have them all. Oh, good, good. Because people want to see this. So we're going to talk about COPD first today. And uh, very common problem. And you cannot cure it. Correct. Uh, but you can manage it. And let's say you have the person who would like to walk their dog, maybe, mm -hmm. or even just walk down to get the mail. Um, and they can't do that. Now, this device could actually help that. And we're talking about respiratory muscle training device, right? Yes. Um, what does that exactly do? Okay, so when we're talking about COPD, we're keeping in mind someone who has a disease process that's impacting their ability to get oxygen, efficient oxygen. And so in that case, it's really important that we support that system so that it can operate at its optimum functioning, right? So um, if they have COPD and then weakness in their muscles of respiration on top of that, that increases the dyspnea that they're experiencing, the shortness of breath in their day-to-day -day activities like walking the dog. It increases their risk of having more exacerbations of their, their COPD condition, more hospitalizations, all of that. Because what, what's happening is it's not just the COPD, which isn't reversible, um, but the weakness on top of that. And I know as a physical therapist, you can, you can agree with that and see that so often someone has a condition, but we can come along and help them support that system. And when there's a compromised system, it's even more important. So using the breather or another respiratory muscle training device, what we're targeting is strengthening the muscles of respiration, the muscles that do the mechanics of breathing. So Betsy, when you just walk, are you strengthening those muscles or they're really not focusing on those or what can you explain the difference? Well, sure. So when you're walking, absolutely. First of all, you're still breathing, right? When you're right. walking. Um, and then we know things like the diaphragm, that biggest muscle that we, most of us think of when we think of muscles of breathing, that does a lot of work when you're walking. A lot's going on with balance and, and um, stability and posture. 
So yes, you're using those muscles, but in a compromised system, very often we, we stop doing those activities and then we end up with a functional decline. So now I've declined beyond the disease process. Sure. I've declined from lack of activity. So in some cases, yes, like with a healthy person, um, activity, walking, that type of thing will keep me at par. But when I have a disease process, very often I stop a lot of that activity and then it compounds the issue. So now we're looking for a more direct um, way to exercise those muscles. And that's what we can do with. with the so disease. really a vicious cycle. I mean, yeah. you don't walk. So the muscles get weak mm -hmm. and the muscles get weaker because you don't walk. And, yeah. and I, I, I think you could compare it to in like weightlifting, like when you walk, you're using the muscles of your leg, but you're not really strengthen them to a large extent. I mean, you have to do squats or quads, quadriceps strengthening or something to, to focus on. So what are some of the muscles that get weak besides the diaphragm? Well, yeah, the other muscles of, of respiration. So the intercostals, that's um, the muscles between the ribs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we don't want a lot of accessory muscle happening, muscle movement happening during respiration, right? That's not super efficient for one. And then we can end up with neck pain and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but we are getting activation of other muscles beyond the respiratory muscles when we're doing respiratory muscle training. And as a speech therapist, super important to me. So we're, we're getting activation here in the, the throat area, the hyolaryngeal complex, and then the cheek and lip muscles that we need to engage in order to do the respiratory muscle training. So more than more is going on. Um, but really with COPD in particular, we're looking to, to help strengthen that person's um, mechanics for ventilation, right? We want them to continue doing it independently. Um, and we want them to, to use, be able to use to capacity. So other things going on with COPD, we, a lot of us know about air trapping. So, so we need the CO, the CO2 to get out oh, to make sure. Sure for the oxygen to come in. And one nice thing about the breather is I'm adding resistance to strengthen those muscles. But exhale against resistance is also beautiful for stinting up those smaller airways so that we can get the gas exchange and also mobilizing mucus or secretions in the lungs. So there, there are a few benefits we're going to see with COPD in particular. So yeah, we should probably be clear on this. When you use like a device like the breather, it's mm -hmm. strengthening on the way in and it's strengthening on the way out. Yes. which is, is unusual. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's one of the few devices that does both. Um, I like to train both because I, um, you know, when, like, if we're thinking about an upper extremity movement, we, mm -hmm. we want a nice controlled movement up and we want that nice controlled movement down. Mm -hmm. We want to train the whole cycle. So I like it for that. But if we break it down and we think about, okay, muscles that control inhale, they're working 24 seven, right? We don't, I mean, maybe a few second break we take, but we need those to keep working. Muscles of exhale, they jump in for forced exhalation. We may think, oh, well, maybe that's not as important, except when you need to cough, 
you need it to be strong, productive. Otherwise you're coughing, coughing and not getting the job done. Sure. Um, we also need that forced exhalation for, for speech, which is also super important. You might think, oh, well, that's not such a hard thing to do, but say you did walk your dog and you wanted to say hey to your neighbor, or maybe you needed to call for help. You wanna have capacity to verbally communicate even if you've been walking. Right, and uh, earlier on you talked about there are certain muscles you probably don't necessarily wanna strengthen. Uh, and we see that sometimes with chest breathers, they call them, or you can see their neck muscles are overworking. So the breather kind of teaches you to use the right muscles, I mean, more excessively than the bad ones. <laughs> well, that that takes training. And so that's part of where my job comes in. So sure. my job is to help both clinicians and then some people buy themselves a breather. Some people with COPD um, find the breather and buy it. And so it's really important from the beginning to focus on breathing from the diaphragm. Um, I generally do it with patients before I hand them their breather. We focus on that belly breathing so that when they use the breather, they don't use it this way. Sure. Yep. Increase what we're not going for. So absolutely. We're not looking to just, ah, oh, strengthen, whatever. The technique is really important. The breathing pattern is important. And that's where I think it's a good time to mention, you know, on the breather website, which which is PN Medical, so P as in Paul, N as in nice, medical.com, they have really good instructional videos. Um, I think she looks like Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker in my mind, but you know what I'm talking about? I, oh, they still have the I same do know model. which ones you're talking about. Um, that's funny because there are some newer ones that are me now too. Um, oh, they are. <laughs> yeah, we... So if you go to our website, you'll find a bunch of resources and there's a really passionate backing to that. Um, the breather was invented by a clinician, a retired respiratory. Right. And um, I learned as a new, new therapist, when I called to order breathers, she answered the phone. Oh my gosh. And so then I would start calling when I had questions and we want to continue that support. It's not enough to get a breather in the hands of people who need it. Um, it doesn't look that cute on the table next to their chair. Sure. Collect dust. That's not what helps people. So we want to have the support um, for clinicians. So on the website, the Breather University tab is clinical support, um, science, uh, protocols by diagnostic group, that kind of thing. Um, and then on the website, we have an orange button that says start here. That's all in lay terms, um, which people who buy themselves a breather can use, but also clinicians can use with their patients. Sure. Um, so lot, a lot of resources on the website. And if you ever have a hard time and can't find what you're looking for, just email us and we'll get sure. it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the science. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit with uh, anything with COPD? Um, oh, sure. Um, the science blog on the website, by the way, if you go on there, it's set up like a blog so you could read the post. But with every post, you'll see 
the original peer-reviewed journal articles that are referenced. So you can go dig in yourself. We we think that's really important. We think the question is very important. What sure. about so there's quite a bit of research um, in the area of COPD and the prevalence of respiratory muscle weakness is, is quite high with pe people with COPD, which makes sense how we talked about. You start to get dyspnea, your activity comes down, the weakness comes on, dyspnea increases, it becomes a cycle. Um, but a lot of really nice research showing the impact of respiratory muscle training um, both in conjunction with traditional therapy. So there's a study where um, patients were in physical therapy and for two weeks, there was a control group and an intervention group. Two weeks of using the breather, that intervention group significantly outperformed the control group in inspiratory muscle strength and also distance for the six minute walk test. Wow. Just to put that in perspective for clinicians, um, the breather takes a little time at the beginning to train my patient, but after that, two to five minutes of my visit, I'm not spending a lot of time on this. So it leaves time for my other modalities. Um, but man, talk about a bang for, for sure. that time investment. So you're showing it to them and then they're doing it on their own? Both. Well, it depends. So I've sure. been in more involved settings where I am seeing a patient five days a week. Um, but even in that case, if they're doing a session with me during my set, my visit, I'm very often asking them to do a session on their own, like in the evening and a session sure. takes about five minutes. And, um, and that is the recommendation, right? Twice a day. That is our general protocol. Um, you could use the general protocol as a strength training protocol, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. So uh, a resistance or a workload where a person can complete eight to 10 reps with a moderate level of effort. That's the general protocol. So we're looking for two sets of 10 reps twice a day, six days a week in general. Um, there are other protocols. Say you have a patient who's more cardiac and you want to do an endurance more of an endurance approach. So lower effort, longer reps. Sure. In a set. Um, and obviously any clinician should individualize that for the person in front of them. That, that's the skill. So you're talking about for the average person, maybe five minutes a day? I mean, um, yeah, if, if we do want you to leave an actual break in between the two sets of 10 reps. What else so, I mean, five I minutes mean, total, or maybe it's more than that. Maybe like three minutes in the morning, three to five minutes in the morning, three to five minutes in the evening. And, and that's generally where I begin with people because very often they do need to strengthen before we get to maintenance and okay, let's switch to endurance kind of thing. Can you do um, it with oxygen on? Absolutely. However, oxygen is ordered by the physician. That's what we want you to do. You can keep the nasal cannula right there in place um, and breathe with it on. If you have oxygen ordered PRN and you're not sure, do it with it on at first. Sure. And then and then see how you feel. That kind of thing. Now, um, if they want to keep track of their progress. Mm -hmm. How would they do that? So if someone 
wants to know, well, one probably check off that they're doing it, but also, you know, see that they're making gains or because also you have to adjust the resistance, correct? Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that the resistance in and out? Sure. Yeah, so the breather does require efforts and and sometimes people think, oh, well, then they can cheat. Well, yeah, but life is effort dependent too, right? right. We're going to get out of it what we put into it. Um, so there are ways to um, that clinicians figure out a person's setting level. And, and it's very similar to how you're figuring out what pound weights to use with someone sure. for exercises. Actually, the same thing. Um, I absolutely track it from day one because for one, I want the patients to see that they are progressing, but also I'm not going home with them. Uh, This isn't a lifetime arrangement. And if they have a medical condition, chronic, chances are they need to keep doing this if they're going to continue reducing their risks. Right. Um, So I'm also training them as we go. And I love that visual. They can see where they started. They can see, oh, it's about at the week mark that I increased my resistance. And as their clinician, I might be the one who changes it the first time. So maybe they're at one and one and we've worked for say a week. So one going in and one going out. That's the low setting. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So we train for a week and I say, well, you know what, let's try increasing resistance and they do great on increasing inhale to two. Sure. But exhale. No. So I can leave exhale at one. And now they can see that that happened and they can see, oh, in about a week, we were ready to increase both. So now I'm at uh, three for inhale and two for exhale. And it's all on paper. And I'm going to tell you, if you want that paper, you just go to our website. Um, we have a training journal. You can just print right up from the from that start page, the start here. Um, another way to do it is there's also an app. So say you or your client wants to download the app. It's called Breather Coach. You can just search for it in your app store. Um, Breather Coach, they'll train along with the app the the thing i like the most about this is the app will say inhale exhale oh sure so it's going to give them the rhythm so as they're wiring for this new neuromotor sequence right the timing's important so if i see them in outpatient and i'm not going to see them again for a week i love that they're going to train with the app and then the app will also keep track of what they've done so it could take the place of that training journal. Uh, does it have any feature in there where you might measure how far you walk or, uh, or is that just something you should probably keep track of yourself? Like, you know, I, I couldn't make it to the mailbox. Now I can, you, you know, it's just another form of motivation. I would think. The app is going to have some, some newer things soon. Um, some things that are coming out like maximum phonation time. You could you could test your own duration of your longest ah. Uh, oh sure. So you could do that. Um, sit to stand test yep. can be in there. Um, but yeah, if you're a clinician out in the field and you're like, well, how am I documenting progress or how am I even documenting that a respiratory muscle weakness exists in the first place? 
um, it's going to depend on your discipline. So if you are physical therapy, um, yeah, you pair a dyspnea scale with that walk test that you're already doing. So you can have the person rate their dyspnea or rate right. it for them. Say the American College of Sports Medicine dyspnea scale. I like that because it has descriptors. You can rate someone if they can't reliably rate themselves. So you rate their dyspnea before you do your tub or your two minute walk test, whatever. And you rate their dyspnea after. Now you have quantitative data you can track. Yeah, do you wanna uh, give the definition of dyspnea? Yes. <laughs> Uh, sorry, dyspnea is the word we use for shortness of breath. Sure. So how out of breath am I? Um, another tool that we developed that's available on the website is the breather effort scale. Um, and for clinicians, I pair that right together with the talk test. It's not as usable if it's somebody who's like an athlete sure. and they're using a device for performance, but someone in the medical setting um, when I have them do a set, say I increased resistance, I ask them questions after. I do want to know the answer to the questions, but I'm also rating their breathlessness. Sure. With with speech, which is what the talk test does. You're always being sneaky, aren't you? I am. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, and you know you do too. I know we do. <laughs> so um, the res levels of resistance are. Was it five going in or six going in? Six different levels and five going out? I can't remember. So it's six for inhale oh, and sure. five for exhale. Sure. Yeah. And those um, pressures, we have that on the website, um, the, the pressures generated. And they're broken down for the medical device on what a healthy person would generate with those resistance levels. And then what, what a medically impaired person typically generates just to give someone an idea like wait a minute what kind of pressure is going to be happening within the person's system while they do this resistance training i want to point out too this is not an expensive device um you know it's very reasonable so um it you know i i think you're making it available for everybody by by you know pricing it that way yeah so, that's the hope um, I'm, I'm going to finish up this section with just talking about what are some of the other devices out there? I, you know, I see people when they're in the hospital, they're, they put them on the incentive spirometer, I believe it's called. Um, would that do the same thing? That's a good question. I often get this question. An incentive spirometer is not even in the same category because it doesn't add a workload. So it is asking someone to take a nice big inhale and then we see the number that they can right. generate. The milliliters of air they can displace for an inhalation. And that the idea is to, to stimulate those nice big inhales. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't add a workload. So Whereas, it doesn't give a resistance at all? No, nope. It doesn't, oh. No resistance. So if somebody was given an incentive spirometer and I happen upon it, I use it for data. I can include that data in my documentation. I can sure. use it feedback to show the person, hey, look at you. Um, but it's not an exercise device. That's way different then, yeah. <laughs> obviously. So was there anything else you wanted to add, Betsy, on COPD? Um, or 
Um, I guess I can just at this time recommend again to check out the website PN, that's Paul Nice Medical.com. And it has so just loads of information there. You can check it out. If you wanted to purchase breather, you could catch one there. So, um, well, let me finish with that. Um, if, if you are not working with a speech therapist or you're not working with a professional right now, do you think you're able to go to the website, order one of these and, and maybe give it a try? Many people do. Many people do. And, and that's why this, the start page, that start here was developed. Um, we were really targeting those people who are buying themselves a breather um, and there's instructions in the packet, but kind of you need a little bit more. Um, so yeah, and, and if a person is considering doing that, you don't have to buy a breather before you go watch those videos. On right. Start page. You can just go watch them and see what you think. Um, there are also user stories on there. So you can go and say, oh, let me see what other people with a condition like mine is saying. Sure. All right. Uh, thank you, Betsy. We're actually going to move on to another topic now. All so right. We're going to talk about shortness of breath, which uh, encompass, encompasses a lot of things. There is a lot of things that can cause shortness of breath. You want me want to speak to a few of them? Well, sure. Um, I mean, it could even be completely outside of the cardiopulmonary. Um, no, start over from that. It could be um, completely outside of the lungs. So say you sure. have issues with hemoglobin that can cause oh, sure. breath because the, the blood is what delivers the oxygen. Um, so yeah, my son is a runner and he had low iron. And of course, he, he would get he was a, a, a terrific runner, but he was having trouble walking down the hallway when his iron was really low. Yeah. So. I think so often we just go straight to the lungs. It's the right. lung, but it could also be a cardiac condition. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, so we could be talking about something happening within the lungs, a disease process there. We could be talking about something with the heart um, and its efficiency to, to um, have the delivery system going. Um, could we can look at talking about deconditioning after surgery or absolutely bedridden so, yes surgery crit critical illness so anytime um you've been hospitalized anyone hospitalized you could be a healthy uh 20 something and we could put you in the hospital and and you would have deconditioning that's expected um so part of what we can do is when someone's in that position um, we can see the weakness in the respiratory muscles and address that. And one nice thing about the breather is you can do this when you're bedridden. Maybe you even had an elective surgery, but you're going to be non-weight bearing for a while. So what we're talking about is strengthening muscles. Yeah. And you're strengthening the muscles as you breathe in and you're mm -hmm. strengthening the muscles as you breathe out. Yes. So it's like weightlifting, like you would do for the rest of your body. You actually have to focus on the specific muscles that are involved in that task. Yeah. So, so we want to focus on a nice breathing technique and we're, we're looking for diaphragmatic breathing in general. We don't want to be using all the, the muscles up here. We want to be doing that belly breathing, 
and then apply resistance to that so that all those muscles that do that beautiful, efficient ventilation get strengthened during this respiratory muscle training. Would this fit in with uh, someone who's recovering from uh, COVID or pneumonia or something similar? That's a great question. So we never recommend use during the acute phase of an illness. And I think that's true in general, right? We're not recovering yet. So we're right. not in the rehab yet. But once we get into recovery, it has been very helpful with cases such as pneumonia or exacerbations of, of different conditions. Um, so yes, there are even clinicians who use it in the ICU to help wean people from the vent. So still oh, wow. vent dependent. Yeah. COVID is different though. And so COVID can't be lumped into the same category. And I think at this point, that's the thing we know about COVID. That's all you know. It's so different. And one person prevents, presents very differently from another. So we've been in collaboration with, with some different um, really neat professionals that are doing COVID rehab clinics because we get the question, would this be appropriate with someone post-COVID? And we wanna know the right answer. And, and the answer at this time is there is not one answer. So possibly could, but it, it really is gonna be up to your clinician probably at the time. Yes. Uh, to... So the things you're looking for is, is this taxing someone and causing them like a, a setback in their sure. level of fatigue? Because that's something that's super, um, super difficult for our long haulers, just that fatigue they're dealing with. And very often you'll see where they talk about, okay, I felt good, so I tried to do more this day. And then I was bedridden for a few days. Well, we don't wanna introduce anything that's going to have that big of an impact. It's gonna set you back. Yeah, basically. so it's gonna go along with any other kind of exercise. We're gonna be real careful with our post-COVID patients. Um, there are some that get on and, and use the breather like, like I would expect with a, with a pneumonia recovery. Um, and then there are others that just have, have a hard time and we need to back that off. Gotcha. So is there any science uh, that backs the, the use of the breather? Again, do you mind showing the breather? I, I don't think people know what we're talking sure. about. So the medical device, the breather, is blue or pink. Uh, this one's marked A. It's my son's. I don't want to use this breather. <laughs> If you are in a setting where you see multiple patients, I always write their name on it. Sure. Um, there's, there's quite a bit of science. Um, the breather's been around since like 1980. So there's a lot, and there's a lot of science in general, not just with the breather, but other respiratory muscle training devices. Um, and up obviously we can apply the principles of resistance training in other muscle groups, right? Which is pretty well established. We know if we put weight in someone's hand and have them do upper extremity exercises, we're strength training. We're, we're looking to train resistance. Same thing with our legs or core. Um, so there's quite a bit of, of research and then research in different diagnostic groups. That's one of the things on our blog that I like. You can go on the science blog and type in what 
like you can type in apnea, sleep apnea, and and it'll pop up some studies that you can go and investigate. So this possibly could help with sleep apnea? Yes, um, really more in the mild to moderate sure. uh, severities of sleep apnea. Um, it certainly depends on what is causing the apnea, sure. but very often, um, we our our muscles are not toned and so it is actually our our tissue our muscles that are kind of lagging into our airway sure. at night um so it can be very helpful yeah with the mild and moderate apnea groups and there's there's research there you can go look so uh a lot of the research can be found on your website i'm going to mention your website right now yeah. um P N that's Paul nice P N medical.com. Very simple, but loads of information on there. And, uh, there's also instructional videos on, on how to use the breather. Correct. Yes. And, yeah. So I, was oh, say, I have the great privilege of working with a scientist. I love an interdisciplinary team. Love it. And now I get, to work with a scientist and just that science blog, I go look stuff up and I work for the company. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I wanna just mention, we're not talking about a very expensive device here. This this is very reasonable. Um, um, and it, you know, if you are a person with shortness of breath and especially if you have it diagnosed um, and let's say you're having trouble walking your dog or walking down to the mailbox, you know, this can make a big difference. You want to talk about some of the research has shown that how quickly some of this is might be able to see some changes. Yeah, it certainly depends on what's the underlying cause right. for that of breath. Um, and and the breather's not going to reverse a, a disease process right. in, in the lungs. So, um, but when a person is compromised in, in any of their systems, so it could be cardiac or pulmonary, um, neuromuscular, where there's a compromise, those systems need the best support. And so what we're talking about is strengthening the muscles that control breathing. The mechanics of breathing is accomplished by muscles. Um, and so what we're talking about doing is strengthening that and you know, if you train, so say you train for running, I right. never, but I know people who do. <laughs> and as they train, running actually becomes easier, right? Right. You get more efficient at it. The, the strength allows you to do more to go further. Um, we're talking about strengthening in the muscles that control breathing. So we wanna make it more efficient for that person to get the gas exchange they need, get rid of the carbon dioxide, get the oxygen in. Yeah, it was such a strange concept for me to think of breathing that way. I don't know why, but just, you know, the fact that you would strengthen the muscles of the accessory muscles and, and the, the mm -hmm. diaphragm, which is a big muscle in itself. Yeah. And um, I don't know why that's just a foreign concept to be but it, it, I think running is a good example. Like a lot of people who run all the time, but don't do any strengthening. It can be actually somewhat uh, to the point where you're not strengthening your legs as much as you think you are because you're not 
you become so efficient, you're not even using the muscles that you yeah. that you want to strengthen. So yeah, even the runner should be doing some strengthening. Um, and the runner could also do using, they actually have a, we got to mention at least the yeah. you know, breather fit, correct? Is that what? Yes. So we have two devices for people looking to enhance performance and breather fit is for athletes. Um, and it's equivalent resistance wise is breather voice for people who use um, their lungs for power for say speech, professional sure. speakers, singers, uh, could be wind instrumentalists, uh, performers in general. So it's interesting with athletes, um, what they're reporting back is increasing their time to fatigue. Sure. So they're, they're able to, um, to perform athletically um, more efficiently. And I, my, I have a sister who does triathlete, uh, is a triathlete and sure. she had an injury. So she wasn't able to train for a few months, which is catastrophic when you're right. Yes. When you're an athlete like when that, you're an athlete. Yes. But what she was so pleased is she kept training with her breather fit. And when she got clearance to train again, she couldn't believe her endurance didn't take the hit she expected it. To. Wow. So certainly her, her legs needed strengthening and that type of thing, but her her endurance, like she could do it. And she was so pleased with that because all, all she could do for a while was basically the breather. I have to be honest. Uh, I didn't hear of the breather until after my son was out of college and he ran in college. And I was like, so disappointed because I, I really believe this would have gave him an edge. You know, I mean, just would have increased the, his performance to some level anyway. So it really would have been fun to check it out and, and see it firsthand. So, yeah. so um, with the breather, I want to mention other breathing devices because people get shortness of breath. I see them in the hospital, they've had surgery. And one thing I see is the incentive spirometer. So how does this compare to that? I mean, that's a great question. So the incentive spirometer, um, basically is not an exercise device. It doesn't add a workload. Um, and by workload, in, in the case of the breather, it's resistance. So kind of like lifting weights for the muscles of your lungs. Um, the, the incentive spirometer doesn't have any workload. It is uh, feedback. So you, the instructions oh, sure. are to take a big breath and to see how, how far you can make that ball go up, right? And so you can get some data, you can get some information about the amount of air you can displace on an inhalation, but there's, you're not working those muscles against any kind of, of workload to strengthen them. That was really revealing to me because I, I thought seeing that thing, I don't know why I thought it was some resistance, you know, when I, when I saw that. Yeah, so you can take it apart and see there's, there's nothing. Sure. Do you, do you want to show the breather and then how the levels of resistance there is for inhaling and exhaling? Sure. So this is the breather device and you have resistance for inhale and resistance for exhale. And those dials can be adjusted independently of one another. So if you have a condition where um, exhale is a little bit harder for you and and COP often is this way, you can increase the inhale resistance. So say you're ready to, to bump up and you're at three for inhale, but 
exhale, you still need to stick it too. That's totally doable. So we're working both sides of the breath cycle. We're working the entire breath cycle. Um, and those, we're wanting to strengthen it together, but they don't necessarily have to be at the same setting. This was developed by a speech language pathologist, correct? Actually, it was a respiratory therapist. Oh, and that's right. Respiratory PN therapy. Medical, the name of the company is Peggy Nicholson. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In the field, in the hospital, she could see, you know, my patients have these medical conditions, but it's the weakness too. The weakness is exacerbating all these symptoms. And so needing a way to address it like a great therapist she's like well i guess i'll invent something quite a few years ago right 1980 yes oh wow yeah. you probably weren't even born but I, that's the year i was born <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i feel old so if someone you know had shortness of breath let's say it's diagnosed um can they go to the website purchase a breather and I know there's instructional videos there. Do you think they can possibly try this on their own or is it someone they should have help with? Or I suppose it's dependent on it, right? It is dependent, but say you were someone at home and you're like, you know, I want to walk the dog and I can't because of the shortness of breath. Uh, I wonder if this is something that would help me. Certainly you could talk to your healthcare provider if you, you have some kind of diagnosis and sure. um, if there are therapists around to help that type of thing or trainers, um, but go to the website and I would say even just watch the videos, the videos sure. in the start here box, watch them and see what you think. Um, you don't need a prescription to buy a breather. So you can do that straight from the website if you would like to. And then the, the videos are there for, for you to use whenever you need them. If, if having a little bit more coaching would help, there's an app, the Breather Coach app, which will walk you through a session. It will tell you, inhale. The Breather app. Coach app? Breather Coach app. And it's free? It's free. And what is typically, how much time does it take to use the breather throughout a day? Um, if, if you have an average person that is having difficulty. In average, we say about five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. So um, very little time. Very little time. You're not, you're not working to fatigue. Do not work to fatigue. Don't make me come over there. Sure. Uh, so we're, we're asking for you to work at like a moderate level of effort. You can feel it, but you're not getting out of breath doing this. So the idea is that it's also not going to tax your energy for the day. If you have limited air for the day, you have to, you have to be aware of that. And is there a way to monitor your progress? Um, yeah. Is there some suggestions you might make, um, you know, even to, to see how you're doing, to, to, to see that you're improving? Yeah, so if it's, if, if it's someone, you know, in their home thinking about using it for themselves, think about what's important to you. So if it is walking the dog, use that as a gauge. I used to be able to only go, you know, down the street, 10 houses and back. And now sure. I'm feeling good enough to go around the block. That doesn't scare me anymore. Or I've had patients who, um, when they get to the end of the stairs, they would have to stop and catch their breath. Things that stand out to you in your daily life, pay attention to that. 
there are other simple things you could do as well. Say, you know, like a walk test. How far can you walk into? Sure. Does that change? Um, can I do all of my morning routine now? Take a shower and everything. How many times do I have to rest and catch my breath? Those kinds of things. Um, on the speech side, I've had patients who can talk audibly in the morning, but cannot in the evening. Right, they're starting to fatigue. They fatigue, or they can't talk on the phone anymore because they can't produce a voice loud enough. These are things you can monitor and say, oh, wow, I can, I can do these things now and I haven't been able to. Yeah, it's, um, it's really a simple device. I mean, it's, it's not difficult. You know, I'm just curious, how often does it has to be cleaned? That's a great question. And there is a video on cleaning on that sure. start page and, and the written instructions are also there. Um, clean it as needed. So don't shy away from cleaning it. You could clean it every day if you want. Do not use it unless it's dry. Don't take a big inhale of a wet, wet sure. Um, So cleaning it after you've used it at night, letting it air dry overnight, beautiful. Um, there are also instructions on how to disinfect it. So this breather is my son's and he dropped it behind the couch and that was a disinfecting time. Sure. So we washed it and then disinfected it and could move on. You might want to do that if you got sick and you thought, oh, okay, before I had symptoms, I probably had that. Let me go ahead and disinfect it before I reuse it again after I've started to recover. Sure. Um this is maybe a little bit out in left field, Betsy, but I want to ask you this because it's something I've been researching lately. Um, mouth breathing versus nose breathing. Yeah. Your thoughts? I, I wonder. I, I definitely you know. have thoughts on this. At rest, when you're resting, you're not exercising activity. Sure. You should be breathing through your nose. Um, if you breathe through your mouth at rest, um, I'm not sure which kind of health provider you should talk to, maybe an allergist or an ENT, that kind of thing. Um, mouth breathing, if, if you're exercising and you switch to breathing through your mouth, I'm not that concerned. I have had some people feel concerned that this is going to train them to mouth breathe. You're really only doing it at most 10 minutes a day. Sure. So if, if I do exercises where I lift my knees up, because I'm looking to strengthen the muscles in my hips. Right. I don't start marching everywhere. Right, exactly. I walk normally when I'm done with that. But if you were concerned, you could do your session and then afterwards stop and just do some nasal breathing as a reset and then go about your day. Um, and diaphr diaphragmatic nasal breathing. Yes, yes, yes for sure. Um, I'm also gonna mention the breather, we're talking about strength or endurance training. And, and as a therapist, I know you'll agree, that's not everything. That's not the whole kit and caboodle. Sure. Um, strategies and technique is important. So yeah, focus on breathing from your diaphragm at rest during the day too. A quiet time where you're just noticing your abdomen rise as you inhale and fall again as you exhale. That's a great thing to do nasal breathing. Um, there are other strategies you can do in different situations. I, I, I don't, 
I wonder if we just touch upon this. Um, you know, in a lot of neuromuscular diseases, um, you, you could have shortness of breath, mm-hmm. and you could also have difficulty speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, would this help with that? Uh, yes, I have used this with patients and really liked the outcomes, say in Parkinson's. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Essential right. tremor. But really, um, if a person had a stroke and they have weakness, I'm looking to strengthen that. I want activation of those muscles. I want to strengthen it. Um, I have even used it in um, diseases like MS or um, ALS. It's it's a careful approach because we're being very careful of the energy they have for the day. Right. But it's not just strengthening with the breather. We're also a lot of times the leaving symptoms, it, if you deal with mucus every day where you're coughing up mucus every morning, the breather can help mobilize that. So you use your breather in the morning and then you watch the video on Huff Cough. <laughs> you do the breather. That's on the website? Yes. Under training videos, Huff Cough or just internet. H-U-F-F. Internet Huff Cough. Huff Cough. Use your breather, huff cough. Now, instead of coughing for 30 minutes every morning, it's all down to a seven minute routine and you actually have energy left over to eat breakfast. Those types of things. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm gonna mention the website again. Uh, it's PN Medical, P as in Paul, N as in nice, medical.com. And you got to check it out because there's so many resources, resources. And like Betsy said, you know, don't buy a breather, just check it out once and see what you think. And, and uh, you can talk to your health professional to see what their opinion is. And, uh, but it's an inexpensive way of really recovering or at least getting to an optimal level mm-hmm. of, of what you're able to perform. So Betsy, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I'd say, you know, use the website as resources, but also reach out to us if if you have questions. It's it's why Pan Medical has a, a clinical team, and it's always a pleasure. Well, that's good. Uh, do you have a, uh, I mean, do they have an email that we could put under sure. the comments here that people could reach out that way? Yep, care, C-A-R-E at pnmedical.com. Oh, nice. So care at pnmedical.com. I'll have it down below too. So, well, Betsy, we were so happy to have you here today. This is, you know, a problem that is really quite prevalent, you know, in many forms and that you were able to address. And it's a fairly simple solution not always a solution, but maybe at least a, a, a you know, managing issue that with, with so many problems. So thanks again. I, I hope we can maybe have you on the program again sometime. We got thanks a lot for of, having me. Thanks.